saying how much they want a strong woman. What they really want is a cheerleader. I'd like someone who's physically very frail and won't stop talking. I just want what everybody wants. I seem to have a harder time getting it. Ooh, chiming in real quick to remind people we are in our second and final week of Max Fun Drive, a time when we have some really special episodes and guests and bonus content, and it is a big come on to you, our lovely listeners. We'll talk more about why being a Max Fun member matters later in the show. For now, remember you can go to maximumfun.org/join to support this very show that you like listening to and us the folks who make it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Maximum Film. It's episode 291, and the tunes are having fun. It's your host, Ify Whitey Wayne, in the booth with me are my friends. So let me introduce you to the hams. First up, we have Alonzo Duralde, the Christmas daddy himself, as we march towards Christmas in July. What's good? Well, I'll tell you, Ify, uh, what's really good is that uh, a, a listener of uh, Linoleum Knife, or actually one of our Patreon shows Linoleum Knife and Fork, where we talk about food, uh, found himself recently in a mall in Torrance, where there was this incredible vending machine that had all kinds of Asian snacks. And so he knew that Dave and I were going to be all about that. So he brought us this like treasure trove of international potato chips. And one of the bags was these uh, Frito uh, like, like Lay's potato chips that are apparently only available in Taiwan. And the flavor was French-style roasted chicken with spices. And I have been born again uh, now that I have (laughs) tried these. They have kind of that sort of bouillon-y chicken flavor that you get sometimes in a chip. But the combo is like garlic and rosemary and pepper and onion. Like it, it is... You know, it is a French French style roasted chicken. I don't know what to tell you. That is the flavor of this chip, and I, I need to find them. I, I will drive myself to Torrance if I have to, but uh, they are the thing that I'm all about right now. A Provencal chip? Get out of here! Uh, yeah, exactly. Incredible. It is a very very much an herb de Provence chip. Well, I just love that the flavor of chips, especially of the Lay's variety, always range from a condiment to a full dinner. You know, it's like, <laughs> what are you going to get? <laughs> like barbecue or chicken and waffles. Uh, <laughs> I mean, my heart will always belong to all dressed, you know, which, <laughs> oh, Canada, you've got it going on with the potato chips. But these are definitely, uh, definitely elbowing their way into the top five. Obviously, Alonzo knows this because our shared love of Letterkenny. There was an entire episode of Letterkenny this year with the subplot of them battling out what the best flavor of crisps were. And All Dressed (laughs) got like the pass of... Spoiler. Oh, yeah. All Dressed was the clear winner. Yeah. (laughs) Well, well, well. Y'all were ahead of the curve on that one. Uh, someone else who's ahead of the curve because she makes rulings and decides what happens on the Midwest is the queen of the Midwest and uh, super festival programmer producer, Trey Clark. What is good? My what's good this week is that one mm-hmm. of my nearest and dearest friends, Davey Mayer, is running for Alder in Madison, Wisconsin, my alma mater, home of my alma mater. He is Uh, running for District 6 Alder. I'm very proud of him. And you can vote for him. You know, I assume most of our listeners live in 
District 6 of Madison, Wisconsin. Um, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that is where the bulk <laughs> of our base is. So please know in my role as Queen of the Midwest, I very much encourage you to support my friend Davy Mayer, who is smart and kind and compassionate and fair and reasonable. So why he's in politics or getting into politics, I have no idea. But, and it may not be as important to you that you also have a hilarious alder. He is also one of the funniest humans I know. And more than once I have heard him sing a Kenny Rogers song as Sean Connery. <laughs> and if those don't sound like the characteristics you want in an older person, I don't know what to tell you. Anyway, please vote for Davy Mayer if you're there. And and check right. out your local elections if you're not. April 4th will be an election day across the country. Local elections matter and impact your life probably probably bigger more than the big stuff. Yeah. All right. You know, Who's also great uh, is the comedy writer, comic book writer, co-host of Jordan Jesse Go, Maximum Funds, very own Jordan Morris was good. Yay, hi, everybody. Hi, hi. It's great to be here. As far as what's good with me, I think, I think, I'm not sure yet. I want to know what you guys, If you, I want to know if you guys have an opinion on this. <laughs> I think the thing that's going on on my face right now might be the start of my first beard. Oh, wow. kid, you're growing up so fast. I get, listen, I think I'm 40. It's time to try facial hair. Usually you're supposed to do it in junior high and get that wispy oh, little yeah. mustache that just makes it look like your lip is dirty. Yep. But I I usually, I'm an, I'm a man who doesn't like to be itchy. So I usually shave as soon as I feel any facial itch at all. A new a new yeah. beard can be itchy, so I, uh, I, I hope you're it's, ready with some oils, perhaps uh, <laughs> a conditioner. You know, it, 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 you can get through it. I promise. Alonzo, recommend me your finest oils. I, I'm <laughs> I'm I'm a vessel for your oils. Please <laughs> let me know. I don't know what to do. I've never done this before. I'll I'll put a list together for you because I'll, I thank you. I'll read as well because I've gotten the itch. Um, as the smooth side of the Velcro hits my face, yeah. I didn't realize the people creating said beard also had Oh, it. yeah. It you itches know, on both really, ends. This is an educational podcast. But I'll tell you, look, I, I think 40 is a great time to, to, to yeah. dive into these waters because I recently was, when I went home for Christmas to Atlanta, I saw some photos of my collegiate beard experiments. Trust oh. me, they were not, they were not what, you th- what you see before you now. So I, I think you your life is ready. You're in that place where it's going to really come right. through, big and beautiful. But yeah, I'll, uh, I'll I'll help you out with some uh, some 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 skin things that will will make you feel better. Do you have a I length in mind? Wait. Are you aiming for something? Um, I mean, I think you know Pedro Pascal in The Last of Us is kind of what I would like. Yeah. Not a bad yeah. aim. Not a bad and aim. And I think I've got a little salt and pepper in there too, which kind of Tasty. makes it makes it more appealing to me. Yes. Heck yeah. Look, seasoned seasoned like like Taiwanese potato chips. <laughs> <laughs> a goal if for I, us all. If it was yes. good. Oh, what's good with me? You know, speaking of Asian chips, I'm probably having my fill right now because when this is released, I'm in Japan. 
uh, which is why oh. we've uh, you know been pre-recording some Love of these it. because this is also the end of my month run of way too much traveling. Uh, you know, uh, at this point, I've been places like Nigeria and uh, the international waters of the Joko Cruise and <laughs> Austin. Uh, you know, just all <laughs> exotic places. Uh, and uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm excited for the trip. Truly, we're going to the. Um, the Miyazaki Museum. Nice. Uh, that's hey, in it. We're yeah. going to go to see Evo, which is the Evolution Fighting Championship. I'm going on specifically to cheer on a Street Fighter player who uh, lost in the finals this year in Vegas and is now going to the home turf of uh, some of the greats to see are, if he can regain. Are you bringing an empty suitcase for all the nerd oh, shit you're going yeah. to buy? <laughs> he, needs, he needs a sarcophagus. You know it. You know, like we, we've we already planned because I goofed up going to Portland because I always forget that I go to the Nike company store where you get 40% off without, uh, you know, sales tax. And, uh, you know, I bought a bunch of shoes. I bought matching shoes for me, Nomi, and Emmy, and uh, some nice little shorts. But no, Japan is going to be a whole nother thing. I'm definitely going to get some chips for Alonzo, some skincare <laughs> stuff for Drea. Everyone's winning. I have some uh, body pillow requests. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I got you. I got you. <laughs> body pillows you can fit into your suitcase. Yes, but, uh, yes. <laughs> there's a Sailor Jupiter I've had my eye on. Oh, he wants all is. five of the quintessential quintuplets. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah so i'm excited for that but what has me more excited is this show we continue our celebration of max fun drive 2023 with a movie that might just be the maximum amount of fun legally allowable by the fda who framed roger rabbit and then later we'll inject a little roger rabbit spirit into some existing ip but first Last week, we looked at Destroy All Monsters. This week, we have another film that was not only made in a previous era, but also set in a different era than the one when it was made. So instead of Itadict this week, we're going to take a look at the very important year of 1988. And Marissa's going to help us out. Hop How is that here. for a nice, straightforward sentiment? But you get it's what I mean, right? <laughs> like 1968, 1999 was Destroy All Monsters. Now we've got 1988, but it's set in what? 47, I think. Ah, okay. But rather than going back to 47, kind of like we did with Destroy All Monsters last week, I thought we would look at the amazing cinema year that is 1988. Um, I know a lot of uh, listeners of movie podcasts also listen to other movie podcasts, so people might recognize the basic shape of this particular little game that we'll play from Blank Check, which does the box office game. But on Blank Check, they're always focusing in on the, uh, the week of release uh, that the movie they're talking about was released. I thought we could look at the entire year of 1988. Domestic box office uh, winners, let's say. Is this one of those deals Although, where I'm the only one in this room who was alive in 1988? Is that what we're dealing with? I, I need <laughs> to know. I was, what, oh, yeah. I, for yeah. I was sure alive. <laughs> I saw this movie in theaters. Okay. And oh. have many memories of okay. that experience. Fair Ooh. enough. I was born... Literally, I was born. Uh, you know, I'm gonna see. Let me, let me be a hundred percent sure. Uh, you have to look yeah, up I was when born. you were born. We're not, I was, I was about four months old. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, you had been born. You were. I think you were exactly four yeah, months I was, old. I was at Alonzo's graduation in someone's arms. Uh, yeah, just, just for some context, eighty-eight was when I graduated from 
college. So we might remember the year a little differently. I would absolutely be babysitting newborn Iffy. Those were peak babysitting years for me. So you already had your bad attempt at a first beer. Uh, Yes, I'd already already (laughs) shaved it off and vowed never again, but obviously didn't stick to that. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So rest assured, Alonzo, we were all alive <laughs> at different stages of that aliveness. And guess what, you guys? Uh, you get a freebie in this top 10 because the number one movie at the box office in the year 1988 was Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Oh, I, it well, was, it should who be. Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Drea. <laughs> <laughs> yes. so, well, um, how'd you get that? <laughs> I'm going to tell you guys the studio and then I can, I'll divulge a little bit more details until we get okay. there. Okay, so let's just start with number two. Uh, this movie um, came out in June of 88 and it was from Paramount. Uh, it's a comedy. Uh, coming to America? Wow, okay. yes, that's correct. <laughs> oh, shit. Wow. I was prepared to say this movie uh, was co-written by one of my... Uh, Screenwriting professors in grad school. Uh, I feel Blossom, like I don't I'm, think that would have helped us. Helped no, us. No, I feel pretty sure. Art Buckwell sued over this film. I'll need like the ninth level of questions, and Alonso's like Paramount. You say a, a, a Paramount comedy I, oh. produced by the great Daryl Zanuck. I it believe was the summer after college. I. I went to a lot of movies that summer. I was living in Nashville, Tennessee. There was not a lot else to do. I didn't have time to. I was too busy babysitting Iffy. (laughs) And reading Babysitter's Club books, I'm sure. I was fully reading, yeah. Number three in 1988 um, is a movie that actually had come out the previous Christmas. It is a Walt Disney Studios release. It was Uh, directed by... Is this... Did you buzz in by saying your name? Why not? I, do, I accidentally do that, and so I was making a joke. I mean, that's podcast protocol, right? <laughs> Unless they got some Actually, funny buzzwords. Actually, I think, Dre, I usually forget to buzz in by we saying just your name. Jeffrey does I do it wrong. Well, yeah. The floor is yours, Jordan. Jordan. Thank you, thank you. Is this The Little Mermaid? No, that's no. that's uh, that was 89, actually. That was 89. Yeah. Oh my God. I can't even tell you how bad I'm, like, I'm going to be at this. Yeah, no, no, the no, Little 80, Mermaid, yes. I think of as less of a Christmas movie and more of a, oh, this is what our teacher pushed into our class in French when we had a sub and we would yeah. listen to the French version of The Little <laughs> oh, Mermaid. Gosh. Le Petit Seven Disney. Mermaid or whatever. I mean, it's not like I mean, Oliver and Company was 88. Think less Disney. Okay. I'll tell you the director. Uh, Barry Levinson. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, is it, uh, is, Diner? Not, it's no. not Rain Man, because that was later. Uh, Rain Man was around then. Ray, Rain, Man, Ray, Rain, Rain Man's, Man end, the Rain Man's end of 88, I think. Um, Do you want me to tell you the star of the film? <sighs> if you say Tom Cruise, I'm going to laugh a lot. Uh, go for it. Robin Williams. Oh, Good Morning Vietnam. <laughs> oh, uh, I, I want the audience to know that Alonzo definitely knew the answer before I said Robin Williams because he pointed at his camera. <laughs> it took me like, I, I kept like thinking, Babe Ruth pointing at the <laughs> right field fence. I kept thinking about that Barry Levinson movie about where they sell cars and I knew that, or Tin Man, that's what I was thinking of, but I knew that mm. wasn't it. All right. Uh, number four is a film that also came out the summer of 88, just a few weeks before Roger Rabbit from 20th Century Fox. It stars. I love you someone. pausing after the studio. I, like I, that I, notes anything to the rest of it. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna say in the in the chat to Marissa exclusively. 
because because oh, I don't want I don't want a new private I don't want to wow. be a total pain. To, to be fair, they would be getting this at this point on blank check. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I mean, like people that know this for sure, for sure. I I am um, not those people. I'm gonna say hold on to that one, Alonzo. Oh, and okay. The I'm going to tell you that this movie was directed by a woman in '88. And that woman's name, yes, Fox. Um, was it P- I Penny got, Marshall? I, it was Penny it Marshall. Big. It was big, yes. And Dre is on the board. I was going <gasps> to guess Point Break. <laughs> is Point Break '88? Point Break that's is '90s. That's it's a woman. I'm just always trying to divert the conversation toward Point Break. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> and who can blame you? All right, I got one. My work here is done. All right, the next film, number five, was a sequel uh, from Paramount. Came out in May. Uh, directed by. John Cornell. Oh, nope. That's... I don't know. I'm not sure who that is. Boy, if I tell you the star, I think you might get it. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Is it's, it's, it's Crocodile Dundee in ah! Los Angeles. <laughs> you call that um, a knife? Crocodile Dundee 2. Mm. You know um, that now if they did that, it would have like a, uh, like a semicolon and then like... Retribution. In, <laughs> right. On yeah. the move. Crocodile Dundee 2. This Colin, time it's personal. Rise of the still, knife. <laughs> still crocking. Still crocking. Still crocking. Dundee after all these years. We're back to Walt Disney Studios motion pictures sure. uh, for number five. And this film has a cast that includes Ted Danson. Three, Jordan. Three men and a baby. I was going to say three men. I, was yeah, I swear to God, three it's like the baby. only movie he made, right? <laughs> Getting even with dad. A lot of dancings out there. <laughs> Thank you. There you go. Yeah, this was the golden age of Touchstone, by the way. Oh, and I think I said that was five, but that's actually six. Oh, okay. It's directed by Leonard Nimoy, wasn't it? It was. Ooh. Jeez. Oh, I should have said that. Uh, I know things. Of, uh, I know Ted things, Dancing. too. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan would have been right there. Jordan earning his keep. And there is yeah. not a visible ghost behind the curtain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Great <laughs> urban legend about uh, three minute babies that they're yeah. <laughs> ghost on the set. Um, the baby could have been iffy because he That's was uh, just there a few go. months old when this yeah. movie was released. And iffy. Hey, yeah. it might have been. No way to yeah. know. True. No way to know. <laughs> could it have yeah. been? Was it you, Who, Iffy? I mean, like Dre says, no way no to way know. know. It, it was Iffy's first stint at being a white woman. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and no- All right. Next up, we can't skip this one. It's a movie from 20th Century Fox that was released in July. Yes. Although people um, think of it as being more towards an end-of-the-year holiday. <laughs> Alonzo already knows which one it is. I, what movie might Alonzo... Well, di- uh, oh, did Die, did Jordan, die Hard come die out hard? then? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm going to give that one to Jordan because... No, you should Dre, give it to Alonzo. Alonzo. Kind of got it. Yeah, and oh, Alonzo <laughs> no, yeah. got it. <laughs> Alonzo was we... like, what's the movie that no one talks st- shuts up about being a Christmas yeah. movie? <laughs> well, Alonzo had, and I had a secret sort of like Euchre style, like agreement, like Euchre. teammates agreement. Of, <laughs> Listen, I'm from the Midwest too. I know about Euchre. We got signals. That's wild that Die Hard was beat by all those other movies but has like endured in the way that it has. Yeah, you know? that's fair. Like, yeah. I mean, obviously like the Christmas movie meme kind of helps it stay afloat, but like wild that... I don't know, Jordan. I think it's pretty easy to say Crocodile Dundee 2 has had the same <laughs> cultural impact. <laughs> yes, that's crazy to think that Crocodile Dundee 2 beat Die Hard 
at the box office. Why? Look, uh, awards mean nothing. Box office a lot of times means nothing. Like, history is the final judge. Yes. Well, Mm. if he mentioned in the lead-in to the episode that we were in the countdown to Christmas in July, I think it's pretty interesting that they released this movie in July. (laughs) Oh, interesting. And no wonder it took a while for people to think of it as possibly a legit Christmas movie. People are remembering seeing it as a summer blockbuster. What, What is cool about the movies of 1988 is that even though cable existed and home video existed, the windows were a lot longer back then. And I remember mm. that Die Hard was still in theaters at Christmas time. Like I intentionally went and took a friend of mine in December who had missed it all year. And I'm like, oh no, this is the perfect time to see it because it's a Christmas movie. Uh, but yeah, but like nowadays that's unheard of. Like 45 days later, bam, it's everywhere yeah. else. You I know? mean, a couple of these movies that were the highest grossing movies of 1988 were actually released in 1987, but we're talking about how much money they made throughout the year. In so the clearly they, right. and, and the next movie on the list is one of those. It was released on December 18th of 87 by Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer. Ooh. And it stars some people that are still on the scene today. <laughs> Louis B. Mayer just turned over in his grave that you pronounced it Mayer, by the way. He's like, bring me my fixer. <laughs> I don't think I ever thought about uh, that. Who are some of those people? I got nothing. Some, well, it was directed by Norman Jewison. Oh, oh, Moonstruck. Oh. There you go. If I told you that Cher was oh. in Snap it, maybe. Snap out of it! I <laughs> <laughs> might get you all the way there right away. So, But Norman Jewison was enough. And number nine is a film from Walt Disney Studios, Motion Pictures, yet again. Wow, a theme here. Um, also stars someone who was in one of the highest grossing movies of 2022, oh. um, which, uh, Oh, was... Cocktail? <laughs> it is Cocktail, wow. yes. Wait, starring Tom isn't Cruise. Cocktail a famous bomb? I always thought of Cocktail as a bomb. Like, that's Oh, no, no, no. Really? I mean, it's a, st- it's a shitty movie. Right, yeah. But it's... it made money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Cocktail is, is, is very bad. I mean, God, I, yeah, that's so funny. I always thought of its reputation as, like... Yeah, kind of a good bad movie that tanked and almost any. Wow. Okay. No, no, no. Whereas I was trying to think of the Michelle Yeoh film that did well in 1988. Oh, I'm blessed. I was like, it it was. I thought. I thought her uh, Bond film was much later. I'm like, were there any Were there any Avatar movies in 1998? (laughs) (laughs) Will anybody have a guess at how much this cocktail made in the year 1988? Like what we're talking about? Iffy. You have a guess. If he loves guessing boxes. No, yeah, you know, because I'm great at it. <sighs> I like, I'm going to say 85 mil. Uh, the, it is, in, in the, fact, uh, a little over, over $78 million dollars for the ninth highest wow. grossing movie of 1988. For the year. Right, we, okay. Uh, on the year, yeah. Yeah, $100 was still a, 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 yeah. a big deal to cross back yeah. then. Yeah. So uh, number 10, finally, just to really put a, a an exclamation point on what a year in cinema 1988 was is a film from warner brothers oh well i guess i know this just kidding i think God, this no. is a movie that i probably one of these movies because i was a little kid in 1988 that i thought the cartoon came first uh but i was wrong Back to the future <laughs> police academy no that was 84 um warner brothers 88 the cartoon yeah oh <laughs> did they do an Animaniacs movie that did really well that I didn't know that? <laughs> um, a live action Animaniacs movie. <laughs> let's see. Who can I tell you is in this movie? Um, 
Or the director or something. I don't know. Well, I'll t- I'm oh, just that, trying to think of what I can say that won't give it away. I'll tell you the director. It was Tim Burton. Oh, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. There's Beetlejuice. a Beetlejuice cartoon? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, the same with me. I definitely, and, I, and yet I remember realizing, like, there's a movie of Beetlejuice? And then <laughs> like, not liking Wait. it as much as the cartoon. Mm-hmm. Was it on TV? It was yes. a Saturday yeah. morning cartoon. Yeah, it was a TV I just cartoon. Want to, I mean, this just speaks to how just dedicated I was as a babysitter that I was not, uh, you know, Drea only knows the Broadway on. musical. I was like, <laughs> let's be, let's engage them with creativity and crafts. No, no TV time when, uh, here's Andrea. Diane when Clark Aunt, is Auntie Drea over. is there. Yeah. Here's the thing. When you, when you know Beetlejuice as a cartoon first and then go back and watch the movie, mm. you are bummed because there's basically no Beetlejuice in the movie Beetlejuice. He's in like <laughs> two scenes. It is about <laughs> Alec Baldwin <laughs> and um, Gina Davis. Gina Davis. Um, you know, yeah. In hindsight, like obviously like Beetlejuice is a great movie, but like when I saw it when I was 10 or whatever, because I thought it was a spinoff of the cartoon, I was bummed. That oh, hilarious. We didn't get a lot of uh, a lot of the ghost with the most. Yeah. <laughs> All, That's so Ghostbusters, funny. another show that I believed for a long time was oh, a yeah, cartoon sure. first and a movie second. Okay, I also didn't oh know my. that was a cartoon. Well, I want to thank you all for indulging me in this little uh, trip to 1988. And um, how about if I'll give you your show back now? What yeah, you yeah, you know, I, I think this is my best quiz score and shows why I love these Max Fun quizzes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, surely you were in the cinema for all these films uh, no, in 1988. You know, yeah, I was like, uh, I was looking like the look who's talking baby with my sunglasses as I sit in there. Yeah, that's a movie. I know movies. Nice. Cl- cl- clutching a copy of Premiere. <laughs> That's a movie. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to see who framed Roger Rabbit. So, some cool news that has come in in time for this year's Fun Drive is that Maximum Fun is becoming an employee owned co op. That means when you join as a member, you're not only supporting your favorite shows like ours, uh, you're now also even more directly supporting a team of real live individuals who work behind the scenes at Max Fun HQ to help make it all happen. People like producer Marissa and senior producer Roy Swisher. No faceless corporation here. Nuh-uh. It's a co-op. That's right. If I learned anything in my time at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, it is the glorious power of a co-op. A cooperative model has a lot of benefits, but in Independence and placing values above profit can come at a literal cost. It can be expensive for a company to make decisions based on what feels like the right thing to do, but it's worth it. And MaxFun doesn't take venture capital money or tech money. So, like our show, MaxFun really relies on your support to sustain it. But you know, when you go to MaximumFun.org slash join and you say, this is the show that I support, Maximum Film is the show that I support, or one of them, um, your support, your financial support goes directly to uh, the hosts of this show. So on the Maximum Film tip, um, really exciting news that we have this week is that you all helped us reach our goal uh, that first goal of 250 listeners, um, which means that one of you who has joined or upgraded is going to be choosing a movie uh, for the gang to watch. So that's exciting. If you uh, haven't done it yet, oh my gosh, it would be so exciting to hit our next goal of 400, uh, which unlocks the Tenet Watch and Drink Along. The day that this episode comes out, March 31st, is the last day of Max Fun Drive. 
So do it now. So yeah, you know, if you listen to these episodes all the way through to the end, and of course you do, you hear the little tagline that says, artist owned, audience supported. And, you know, this is not a giant corporation. This is an amalgam of creative people coming together to make shows, to, you know, do the kind of things that we think you'll be interested in. There's no, like voice of of you know the 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 corporate boss or the focus group telling us you know less of that more of this you know we, the the people who make the shows here at Max Fun uh you know are behind them and and they are um you know genuine outpourings of of the kind of programming that we want to create and that we want to bring to the world and uh that's that's the 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 artist owned part and then the audience supported part is where you then say hey I love those shows and I want to make sure those shows keep happening. And so I'm going to show my support, not only in the sense that I listen every week and that I call into the hotline and that, you know, I share the links online, but also that, yeah, I dig into my wallet and make it part of my budget that every month I'm going to throw some money to, to Maximum Fun to support Maximum Film, to support the many other shows that you listen to, no doubt, because, you know, once you start one, it's like popcorn, you kind of... Start getting a taste for the other ones, too. Uh, and we really appreciate that. We we love what we do. We love making these shows. And we love making these shows for you guys to listen to specifically. We love the interaction that we have with our listeners. We love the community that's being built here. And we love the fact that so many of you, if you're able to, uh, can demonstrate that support in a financial way. And it, it keeps the whole ball of wax rolling along. So um, we love you guys and we are thrilled that you love the show. And we hope that, you know, all things being equal, given, you know, where you are financially, you're able to help us out to keep bringing more Maximum Film your way. To join, to boost your membership, and to take a look at all the great thank you gifts we have on offer this year, just head to MaximumFun.org forward slash join. And thank you. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm your host, Ify Whiteaway. In the studio with me are... Drea Clark. Jordan Morris. Alonzo Duralde. We love to talk about the occasional classic movie here on Maximum Film, but let's remind the folks at home that we didn't just pick this one randomly. We're hearkening back to 2021 when the Ifichikude collection was unveiled. Movie number two in that trio was the original Space Jam. So to complement <laughs> that storied work, Dre and Alonzo have chosen the 1988 Robert Zemeckis masterpiece that still stands as the only film where Daffy and Donald Duck appear side by side. So Drea, would you mind giving us a brief synopsis of Who Framed Roger Rabbit? All right, this is a film set in a world where three-dimensional people like us, like people you may know in your real life, exist side by side with 2D animated tunes. Um, specifically, we're in Los Angeles, uh, which has an entire segregated section called Toontown, although it does spill out into the rest of the city. Um, it is the late 40s. It has the structure of a film noir, and we're following, of course, a rather ragged private investigator, Eddie Valiant, um, played by Bob Hoskins, who is fantastic that we could talk about for 132 hours. Um, and like many a noir, it is kicked off when he is hired to follow a potentially adulterous woman, Jessica Rabbit, um, and leads to a murder, an accusation that her husband, Roger, killed the person that she 
maybe had uh, an affair with. And then all sorts of other things, of course, involving land purchasing and, uh, you know, weird rights of ownership because it is a noir. So there we go. Toontown, Toons, Roger Rabbit, Private Eye, and a villainous judge played by Christopher Lloyd. There you go. Who framed Roger Rabbit, you guys? There it is. Yes, indeed. That was uh, a solid synopsis. Uh, so, uh, I, I, you know, it says to kick it off uh, saying uh, why you picked it, but I know why. It's another one of the ambitious ventures into cartoons melding with, uh, the, with live action that we haven't seen done so great and exciting since the Paul Abdul Opposites attracts music video. <laughs> MC uh, Scat so, yeah. <laughs> MC mm. Scat Roger Rabbit ran, so M- MC yeah. Scat Cat. <laughs> Roger Rabbit walked, so MC Scat Cat could run. Just could reverse tap. that, so I made the comment in the most yeah. way possible. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, assuming everyone had seen this before, when was the last time that you actually sat down and watched uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Oh God, it's been decades. Uh, I saw it several times the year it came out, and and because it just it, it it blew me away. And uh, but yeah, I I couldn't. I mean, not this century, probably. <laughs> not this century. <laughs> oh my God, I probably also have not seen it this century either. Um, again, possible that I watched this as a preteen um, or high school teenager in that era. I definitely remember watching it and loving it. Um, I haven't rewatched it since I became someone who became very familiar with sort of a lot of the movies that it's referencing. And for me, it's more the sort of noir references. I know there's a ton of animation and Tex Avery and like uh, all of these intricate Easter eggs and flashes in there. But in terms of the the structure of like a PI and a beautiful dame, like that, I certainly wasn't as well versed in when I originally watched it. So retaking on on now, I'm like, oh, this movie, enjoyable at all levels, was enjoyable as an idiot kid and enjoyable now as a brilliantly wise film watcher, (laughs) which is how I like to describe myself. But yeah, it has been a minute. Jordan, how about you? You were bragging yeah. about having seen it in the theater. Uh, yes, I saw it in theaters. Um, should you take a six-year-old to this movie? Probably not. A lot of people did. Uh, yeah, marketed as a kid's movie. when They certainly uh, did. It was. It, I heard it was number one in the box office yeah. that year. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I watched this uh, last night in preparation for the podcast. I probably watched this once a year. This is one of my favorite movies ever. Oh, this is yay. one of my absolute favorite movies. I think it's a miracle it is so funny. It is so weird. Um, definitely a, like, you would never do it like this today. Um, yeah, it's just, it's such a vision, and it, like, works so well, and, like, every little line of this movie is, like, burned into my brain, and it, like, scared me. It made me feel kind of horny. It is, you know, it's it's hilarious. It really, like takes you through this like wild roller coaster it's like yeah it's it's one of my favorite movies those are the three best emotions yes yeah yeah (laughs) laugh scared horny (laughs) yeah right there yeah it's being a human that's like that's all yeah um so if he other than when i took you to this as an infant and snuck you in um oh yeah with your (laughs) shades on so you couldn't see it well 
When yeah. when was your last time seeing oh, this? Oh man, uh truly I realized watching this that I actually haven't seen it the whole way through ever in like one city. Like I was like, oh, I I didn't pick up on this and this. And that could either be true or it could have been my, you know, undiagnosed ADHD as a child. (laughs) But yeah, watching this, it is funny how there are so many jokes that can be for kids and some that aren't. I mean, there was a baby who said he has a mind of a 50 year old and a penis of a three year old. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, dinky, dinky, I believe. I believe yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That baby yeah, was but... super upsetting to me at every age of my life. <laughs> yeah, <baby's> <laughs> baby Herman. Uh, oh, God, but... get out of here. Like, absolutely so... predatory baby. Get yeah. out of here. Solid uh, um, LA jokes uh, just from the beginning where he's like the the I don't need a car in LA it has the great public transportation right. to the reveal of the motivation uh, which is freeways uh, yeah uh, <laughs> uh, car jams will be a thing of the past all of that good stuff eight um, gleaming lanes of concrete from here to Pasadena <laughs> yes <laughs> um, but even that but, like when I say the movie re- that's Chinatown. I mean, like a yeah, lot, but- a lot of these films, and so rewatching this again with like a sort of broadened um, consciousness of of what those are was this. It was trippy. I'm like, oh, this is so smart in so many levels. Like, yeah. there's dumb throwaway physical comedy that's still really smart. There's great verbal, like great dialogue, wordplay, whatever that's smart. But they're also like the construct of it and. Like, I'm like, oh, this is solid filmmaking. Yeah, I remember at the time we made the joke of forget it, Jake, it's Toontown. Because, you <laughs> yes! know, it, right, it's essentially right, right. the thing where, you know, yeah, they're, they're digging into real LA history. Weirdly enough, a friend of mine posted a picture of the red car on Santa Monica Boulevard, like going in front of what is now Dantana's. And yeah, I mean, like, I remember when they were still railing on, like, Little Santa Monica and stuff. Like, that was a thing. And obviously, it didn't quite, you know, evolve the way it did in the movie. But yeah, the the, the oil companies and the car companies decided that, fuck LA's train system, we were going to all drive. Yeah. Also, one thing I learned, because I, when I was starting this up, I was start. I had that question that I feel like swirls around everyone's brain where it's like, did Roger Rabbit exist before the movie or not? And then I realized it's based off of a book, which was like a fantasy crime novel called Who Censored uh, Robert Roger Rabbit. Yeah, but a a comic strip character in the book, actually. Yeah. And so it was like very interesting. That also gave it like a fun new color watching it where I was like, oh, yeah, they really kind of were leaning into it, but also still having fun with uh, even Lamb pooning like cr- like the la crime noir uh along with like cartoons and stuff also uh one of mel blanc's last performances because he oh, dies really? in the yeah. next oh yeah he gosh. dies in 1989 so uh is he yeah, doing mel, mel yeah. does he do bugs bunny in this mel blanc, he does uh, and yosemite sam and like yeah, yeah all oh, of the wow i didn't know that what a fun yeah. gosh yeah what a fun and, little and like, june foray yeah. is in there and the bullets are voiced by people like slim pickens and the guy from Green Acres, I forget his name, but I, I, here's the, the thing about this movie that you know was such a game changer. Like nowadays, we're used to like Super Bowl commercials or other things where uh, competing IPs that you would never see together are sharing the frame. Yes, when this movie gives you Daffy and Donald Duck, when it gives you Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny coexisting, nobody had done that. Right. 
forever. Like the, the Disney was so legendarily like you know had such a lockdown on all of their copyrighted material and still does to some extent. Um, and Warner Brothers and all those other guys that to, to have in the same movie, you know, Droopy Dog and Betty Boop and like all of these different competing, you know, animation icons was huge and mind blowing. And now it's it's hard to sort of it's like I feel like somebody who saw Psycho in the theater without having a spoiler, you know, like you can't right. recreate that moment because it was just so it was such an A-bomb for like animation nerds and movie fans in general. And and I think also that people at that point had grown up watching all of the old Looney Tunes. I think nowadays you had Animaniacs happen. You had other stuff that they've kind of created to show to kids because in a lot of ways, yes, there's some inappropriate you know, violence or racial material or whatever in the old Looney Tunes cartoons. But like, you know, I was of the generation where every Saturday morning we were still seeing Bugs Bunny totally. Roadrunner for like a full hour. And so when Roger does an entire musical number to the merry-go-round broke down, which is the theme song of the, the Looney Tunes shorts, like there's just, yeah, this movie is so rich in that kind of, that level of reference and, and, and down to even... The thing where when he starts whipping through the photos really quickly and they become animated, which is how animation works. Like there's just this movie is chock a block with that stuff, and it's it's a delight. Yeah, uh, password to the bar as Walt sent me. Nice yeah. <laughs> into the Ink and Paint Club. Yeah, even the even the title is a double entendre, you know. Framed. Ooh, I hadn't even caught that. Right. I, I'll Ooh. say because Jordan, you may or may not be aware of the whole structure of this, but um, we were made to watch Iffy's favorite films uh, for for a previous Max Fun Drive um, uh, in the hopes that we would join him. We mostly did not. But this this film where Alonzo and I selected is a counterpoint to his selection of Space Jam. And the degree to which Who Frame Roger Rabbit just spanks Space Jam, it's like a nth. Like... And it's not just these references. There's so many components. But the other idea of however cognizant you are of IP or whatever, the integration of the animated characters is so beautiful and seamless. Like And Bob Hoskins, which, again, I could talk about. Okay. Wild, wild that for a period, Bob Hoskins was the star of children's movies. Like that is, the, the, <laughs> we got this like grizzled British but actor. That's why it but, works. Like totally. this movie, oh, yeah. like, the, the beauty of how straight these, the human actors play, like Christopher Lloyd too. That Christopher character, so good bonkers. Yeah. He is playing the most bonkers, whatever, but he is so like given it is all committed and not in on it do you know what I mean he's like I am in a motion picture and this is I think the end of a period where like you know a studio could make this movie and be like well yeah kids will see it right but we're still going to have like jokes about like Eddie Valiant gets a cigarette from children and yeah, Eddie yeah. drinks a lot for most when, of the uh, movie. When Roger got one of the funniest lines in this movie where Roger's talking about looking for Eddie and not being able to find where he is. And he's like, I asked the butcher. He didn't know where you were. I asked the, uh, you know, I asked the baker if he knew where you were. He didn't know. I asked the guy at the liquor store. He knew. That's like yeah. so. <laughs> and we look, so we see the picture of his brother says, he looks like a serious sober fellow. Sober fellow. Just, yeah. But that. Uh, 
God, I love. You would the, not I do love that the now, stuff with know. the brother's desk. You like pan over the brother's desk. Yeah, it's still dusty. All his old detective stuff is there. You see all the pictures of them, like with their dad, who was a clown. It's just like the greatest, like little detail storytelling. And then when Roger grabs the chair, you just you know he, they they leave handprints on the chair in the dust. I don't know. It's like the details in this are just no, like out of control. Great. Yeah, I mean, and part of me weeps what, thinking about Robert Zemeckis watching this because it is it is so beautifully put together, like with so many practical effects. Yeah. Like when, like if you've seen that, you've you ever there's, there's there's a still that went around of like when when he pulls Roger out of the sink of dishes and he spits all the water out. Like th- there was actual water coming out of an actual pipe that was covered by animating Roger yeah. on top of it, and like now. You yeah. know, Zemeckis is so into the CG and the mocap right. and the faking everything in the green screens, it would look like garbage. You know, this this movie, it's like the, the, we're going to do this the hard way and it's going to be worth it. And nobody wants to, you know, that's I think like when we talk about Mad Max Fury Road. They did it all the hard right. way and it's great. And I wish more directors got the money and the time and the resources to do it that way because CG Look at the Space Jam movies. You look at any like Marvel movie or whatever. So much of it is just these kind of blobs of nothing with no weight. And this movie, things have weight. And even the things that don't, like just the choreography, Bob Hoskins coming down the stairs yeah. when he's visiting the like studio. And he comes down the stairs and there's all of these tunes like dancing and just shenanigans and then a whole box of like feet Shoes. Shoes. Like, oh, yeah. Squeaky and, so shoes. There's all of these things happening, and he's like bobbing and weaving, and the camera's moving with it. It's like such beautiful filmmaking that, again, when I first watched it, that's not what I was paying attention to. Like, I was paying attention to, you know, the weirdly hot rabbit. Like, <laughs> the, you know. <laughs> uh, rabbit is her married name. <laughs> so, Iffy, as somebody who loves Space Jam, and I'm assuming you probably saw Space Jam first, like, does this movie make you feel differently about Space Jam? Do you like it in a separate way? Like, how do you weigh the two? Here's the thing. This movie is a good movie because it's, you know, well-written, uh, shot well. Uh, the characters are likable. The acting performances are great. Space Jam is a good movie because I grew up in a time where Michael Jordan was a living superhero. <laughs> and so was Bugs Bunny. And seeing them come together on a movie made you ignore the fact that that man couldn't act to save <laughs> his life. Um, <laughs> you know, and uh, you, and so, so like, that. that is... That is one thing I will completely, uh, you know, chalk up to nostalgia and laugh at the, you know, future iffies out there uh, who are um, who are watching the LeBron James version and is mm. convincing themselves that it's so cool. It made them watch a Clockwork Orange and realize that was not the vibe of the rest of the characters <laughs> in the movie. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I've always liked um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and it, to me, it was just always a classic on its own that it didn't need to be added in the Ify Shakude collection, which highlights, you know, um, classics that, you know, aren't as well received, like the perfect movie Pacific Rim. Uh, <laughs> I'm with you. 
I like Pacific, I think Pacific Rim Uprising is underrated. I think that's a pretty great movie too. Anyway, ooh, see, oh see, this is why me and Jordan. I'm we, already we, dying we, a little inside when he just says perfect and Pacific Rim in the same sentence. Let's not, <laughs> let's not exaggerate. That's just because you hate alliteration. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Let's go vote. As you know, the way we vote things on this pod: uh, screen it being the highest, stream it being the mid level, and skip it being self explanatory. So, who wants to start? Me, you should screen it. This movie is so freaking good. Like, I, it is rare that I watch something and I'm like, oh, I need to rewatch that again. And it's a movie from 1988 that is a childhood favorite for someone. Like, there's so many references in this. It's so well made. It's inspiring filmmaking. And it's a fun view. I'm going to join Jordan in the yearly rewatch. I'll have to find a good holiday to tie it to. And uh, make a new tradition for yes. myself. Roger, Roger Rabbit Ramadan. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Thank you. No, I totally agree. I'm, I'm a screen it. And literally, if you can see it on the big screen, do. Oh, because it fun. is yeah. so beautiful beautifully movie. shot by Dean Cundy. And, and the effects work is just extraordinary. Uh, Oscar winning, in fact. Um, and yeah, I agree. Like Having seen it now for the first time in ages, I, I too want to sort of make it part of my more regular viewing habits because there's so much to 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 glean and so much to enjoy and probably so many little easter eggs and things i've still haven't even found yet so you know yes yeah Jordan. Jordan? yes uh obviously i'm a screen it's one of my favorite movies of all time i will use my time uh in this portion of the show to share a trivia fact there is an unproduced prequel slash sequel where all of the tunes are in the army and they uh, try and kill Hitler. Anyways, <laughs> if anyone is out there who has a copy of the script, I've never wanted to read anything more in my life. Please send it to me. I will keep it. Also, a private please let affair. us know if you do, it. because I think Jordan dreamt all of that. I, so I, I want to know it's, it's real. It's on a wiki. I, I swear. I read it on a wiki. Oh, that is for sure real. <laughs> okay, yeah. Oh, definitely. 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 It's called Toon Platoon. I think it was supposed to be called Toon Platoon. Anyway. <laughs> Amazing. I'm going to go ahead and add that to our official, you know, our official Max Film uh, Hall of Requests. Um, and I'm going to put it on the shelf right next to the director's cut of Jersey Girl, uh, which has been a longstanding. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Alonzo, I believe, has gotten a taste. Uh, and and ever since he's described it, I've wanted to taste that taste as well. So if you have either that or the uh, any piece of that prequel where they go to kill Hitler, please yep. hit the hotline or the email, get in touch with us, and we will be forever in your debt. Um, for me, I'm going to go ahead. That's a yeah easy screen it. Uh, and, and yeah, I, I kind of felt the same way we were watching it, me and M and, and was like, out of all like the kind of like newer remakes and stuff, like this is one that would probably be fun if they did it right. I feel like that's a caveat we have to add with any yeah. <laughs> remake mm -hmm. request because like I like, you know, watching Space Jam, there's a way it could have been done right, but they, <laughs> they shot for the moon and it just went, it was just, it, the idea was too big. It was too big, too crazy. Don Cheadle, I looked like he had fun. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it, it, this um, it, it, it's crisp. It's great. I think the only minor thing that doesn't hold up is just the technology. But for the most parts, a lot of the scenes look well, and it's really going 
into Toontown that kind of where you're kind of like, okay, I kind of see the outlines, but like all the stuff where the tunes are in the real world still look really great and very fun effects, like using real smoke when uh, when yeah. the tunes are smoking, or the weasel holding a real gun to his head, <laughs> like that. Like yeah, uh, ten out of ten. We'll watch again. I might have to add it to my yearly watch, where I usually watch The Big Lebowski. It'll be a, a, a great nice choice. Time. Another great choice. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we'll be right back after this important message. So stay right there. Hey, it's Max Fun Drive 2023, as you guys know by now, and it's me, producer Marissa, coming in to read um, a message, well, part of a message, a very long, lovely message that we got from a devoted listener, Matthew. Um, Matthew writes, y'all mean the world to me. Who Shot Ya finally got me to expand my podcast horizons. Before you, I was just listening to too much savage love. Then I realized I love movies. I ought to listen to some movie appreciation podcasts. Now I'm all about Maximum Film. This had Oscar buzz, Postmortem, The Evolution of Horror, How Did This Get Made? Matt goes on to say, I listen to the podcast every Saturday morning when I walk my dog. But just to let you know, I'm a cat person. I was outvoted two to one by my wife and daughter. So, Drea, the the, the cats can uh, rest assured <laughs> that Matt's with them. Um, I live in Japan. So with the time difference, it drops around 3 a.m. early Saturday. My movie tastes are somewhere between Drea and Ify, but I love all of Alonzo's words. I stand with Ify. Since Roger Ebert's passing, Alonzo is America's best movie critic. <laughs> well, high praise indeed, Matthew, and I will never live up to that. But thank you so much. That is very kind to hear, and we're glad that you enjoy the show. I love the idea of making a ritual out of when and where you listen. There's something very charming about that. I do love dogs. Uh, obviously, there is a hierarchy here in the Clark household, but kudos to your sweet dog who's getting all the attention that the cat you don't have um, don't, don't get. But I love you listening and, and also looking at it as a way to expand your world. And I really like the phrase, a movie appreciator, because I think a lot of people can find movie analysis or argument like either daunting or feel like insular clicks. And our entire point of how we do things is to approach things in a broader way, because everyone can love and benefit from movies. And that means a lot to us. Absolutely. And so, you know, if you are a fan of this show, if, if the way that we have uh, dug into the world of cinema is something that you find uh, exciting or funny or stimulating, or if it's inspired you to check out films that you might not have otherwise, or at least sort of examine perspectives that you'd never heard before, uh, we hope that you will uh, join us and support us this year during the fun drive. Starting at just $5 a month, you get access to all of the various uh, Maximum Fun bonus content, including not just our bonus episode with Jared Hill talking about Brother brother but also you can hear drea and me popping in with jordan and jesse to talk about the burt reynolds classic hooper now if you bump up to the ten dollar level you get a wonderful new high quality reusable sticker with our adorable faces on it at twenty dollars a month you get a custom max fun spice blend which has a lovely kick i can tell you from experience as well as a cookbook including recipes from across the network including one from drea who says she doesn't cook but no one's going to show up at a at a, a, a potluck in minneapolis with the, without the queen of the midwest bringing her lemon bars now you can learn how to make those lemon bars and 
if you want to make them without getting any spots on your shirt, go to $35 a month and get your own gorgeous, sturdy, maximum yum apron. I know from aprons, I do my kitchen stuff. This is a really good one. Lots of pockets, good fit, sturdy. I'm a big fan. So, hey, won't you please join us as a member this year at MaximumFun.org slash join. Yay. Welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm your host, Sifi Wadiway. In the studio with me are Alonzo Duralde, Jordan Morris. Drea Clark. <laughs> Today's movie set the bar for movies mixing animation and live action. It's a high bar, so high that 35 years later, few movies have even attempted to clear it. And the ones that have tried, whew, uh, yeah. But today, we're going to make some pitches for movies that could have been improved with a little touch of that Roger Rabbit magic. Here's the challenge. Add animated characters to any live-action movie or live-action characters to any animated movie and describe the results and your reasoning. My Dinner with Elmer. (laughs) Stop it. Stop! (laughs) (laughs) Elmer Fudd having dinner with, I think, Daffy Duck with Bugs Bunny as the waiter making mayhem. Uh, I, I think like that, it, it writes itself, people. What's the live action part of it? Uh, the dinner. So like, be, <laughs> you know, the, it'll be the setting will be sort of 3D real yes, life. The, the restaurant, the food, all of that stuff. You know, the New York subway, you know, where the, like Wally Shawn rides at the beginning, but now it'll be Daffy, you know. Uh, but yeah, but then it's, it's, it is Elmer and Daffy having dinner and that conversation. <sighs> Amazing. Ooh, I like that. Thrilled as ever that if I'm like, I wonder if Alonzo is going to zig, he will zag. Hmm. He will never <laughs> yeah. do the expected zig. And I appreciate Ooh. that. Um, I have one and it is born of a soft spot um, for this particular animated world. Um, I love Bob's Burgers so much and was thinking, Ooh. I wonder where the Belchers and... Mr. Frond, their guidance counselor, and Teddy, and all of them can end up. And at first I was like, you know, a Judd Apatow movie would fit that well. And Mm. then I thought, oh, I want them in Booksmart. I want to see (laughs) the the kids from, like, I want to see Tina very awkwardly Mm. inserting herself into most of the scenes at the high school party. Um, I want Jean somehow, like, providing music at that and like being part of probably Billy Lord's shenanigans in some way. And then I want Louise um, on her own. Maybe I get to see an offshoot of her and the Jessica Williams teacher. Um, It's just all, I love, I love it, but I feel like that deadpan could work. And I also really, really like, like that was something in who framed Roger Rabbit, the very rudimentary 2D characters were my favorite. Like, those look the most fun when you slap (laughs) them into a real world. So if I'm thinking of, like, high school party, beautifully shot, wonderfully lit, and then just, like, crude, like... (laughs) Flat. Crude, flat characters kind of grow, like, doing the Tina Belcher groan. And then, obviously, Linda Belcher and Bob... Need to be somewhere Linda Belcher for president. I love her so much. She should be in every scene. But I'm sure we'll just be scene stealing. Um, I'll keep on it. Like, I I would watch this movie if anyone wants to make it and send it to me. Ooh, I like that. The the first thing that uh, 
kind of like jumped out of my mind that I was like, okay, I definitely would like to see these characters as like, you know, stick in a cartoon character in a movie like Good Time, you know, maybe have a Hank Hill (laughs) uh, rushing to save Bobby. Bobby got locked up. Uh, you know he doesn't uh, he he doesn't know how he's gonna get him out, but he's running around New York City as a Texan, and he oh uh, can't God. quite figure out how to uh, <laughs> make something happen. I just for anyone not familiar with the Safdie brothers' good time, I want you to know how funny it is what we just said. Like that as a pitch is much funnier if you understand the intense grittiness of good time. If if you saw uncut gems, you have an idea of like the level of tension and blood pressure you know the, the those two bring to the table oh my god that's funny and also that it's king of the hill bobby <laughs> like i want to see a kill selling propane and propane boy, accessories right. to someone in that world <laughs> oh my I'm, gosh jordan i'm gonna say i would love it if we could give lydia tar an animated conscience modeled after the Great Gazoo. <laughs> if problematic conductor, genius yet problematic conductor Lydia Tarr, just periodically before she was about to make a decision, a little space elf would pop up on her shoulder, animated like a, you know, kind of a budget 60s Hanna-Barbera character. Yep. And just be like, I don't know about that, Lydia. That might create an imbalance of power. That would create an improper power dynamic, Lydia. Oh, my uh, God. I love it. Wouldn't I got human resources on line three. <laughs> I can picture that guy. What was he in? Uh, the Great Kazoo was a character they added to the Flintstones when it was yes. kind of getting okay. stale. He was a Martian that would that only Fred could see. <laughs> Sure. And he, and he, he called him Dum Dum. I wouldn't do that, Dum Dum. It was so weird. Dum Dum. Dum Dum. Oh my God. Likewise, if I was just going to put a single um, real human into a fully animated thing, it would be Lydia Tar. I really oh, want to yeah. see oh, Lydia, yeah. Tarr Lydia Tarr's Space Jam. Dealing with her work. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, you know, we, she, we mentioned earlier that there was a police academy, like. A cartoon on television for children right. and the first movie in that series was rated R so every now and then I like to think of like what completely inappropriate rated R movie could suddenly somehow get so filtered down through the culture that it would be a Saturday morning kids cartoon I think Lydia Tarr yeah. maybe Li- Lydia Tarr and then Lydia from Beetlejuice oh, I think yeah. you got something yeah. she gets right she gets yeah. cancelled out of the human world and has to retreat <laughs> to <laughs> the cartoon world that's like when comedians move to Austin yeah. <laughs> they can say anything they want to. Man. There it is. <laughs> you, we knocked that out the park. And now it's time to knock out some staff picks. It could be any movie at all. Who wants to start? I'll I'll go. I saw Alonzo and I both took a deep breath at the same point. Um, <laughs> so mine is one of my favorites out of Sundance this year. It is called Rye Lane. It is coming out um, when this comes out. So March 31st, um, Hulu is releasing it. Hopefully it will be available. Um, for those of you without Hulu or friends with someone with a Hulu login at some other point, <laughs> it is um, a British film by Rain Allen Miller. It follows... Um, two Londoners who are, it, it takes one of those all, all in one day sort of 
rom-com um and it's these two and they're to me they're brand new to me they may not be brand new to a british audience i don't know i don't know your life but it is these two people who have both just had like really bad breakups and so it's like shenanigans with exes and and flirtatious charm and all of that it is rye lane it's great check it out enjoy Oh, I'm going to make the super obvious recommendation here. But, you know, if you've never seen Chinatown, yes, I know Roman Polanski is a piece of shit, but it's a great movie. And it is very much a a film whose without it, Roger Rabbit would not be Roger Rabbit as it is currently structured. So, you know, just eh, separate the artist from the art for a couple hours and eh, watch it. You'll be glad you did. (laughs) There is a uh, a great doc that I saw in theaters that I noticed is now on streaming and a little more watchable for folks. Uh, it is called Fire of Love. It yes. is a, a documentary about two married volcano chasers in the like 70s and 80s, and they became <laughs> celebrity volcano chasers. Uh, wild that such a thing could exist. And uh, yeah, and they have all this really, really beautiful footage of the volcanoes they were studying and it's been kind of uh made into this great doc um i i forget the name of the filmmakers miranda july does the vo um and uh yeah does a great job and it's yeah it's it's a really kind of beautiful love story about two absolute weirdos doing absolutely remarkable work i think this same subject matter is being made into another documentary by Werner Herzog. Um, Sarah Dosa. Uh, thank you, thank yeah. you. Marissa has uh, put the name of the filmmaker in the chat. Sarah Dosa did Fire of Love. Uh, yeah, Werner Herzog, I guess, is doing his own version of this same story. Uh, I cannot wait to see how bonkers that's going to be. But um, Fire of Love was terrific. And uh, yeah, I saw it streaming in a couple of places, including Disney+. Plus. So um yeah, uh, it, it was a super fun, uh, super fun watch in the theaters, and I'm sure will be really cool at home as well. Oh, it premiered at Sundance. Great film. No, you, cool. you just want to hear Herzog say lava over and over again. the magma bubbles up, you can tell. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I wouldn't do that, Lydia. <laughs> in my version, he'll be the voice of yeah. the great Gazoo. Great, oh, no, the great gazoo. I like yes. That's yeah. a problematic choice, Lydia. You don't want to be canceled. <laughs> Maybe Monster don't Hunter talk concert. to that child, Lydia. <laughs> <laughs> Iffy. Um, yeah, with me, I'm going to just keep it simple since I'm in Japan and I think at this point have been to or about to go to the Ghibli Museum. I'm going to say, why don't you pop on my neighbor Totoro? Yeah. You know, just keep it animated. Never a bad you choice. Know, yeah, never a bad choice. You're going to have a good time. I promise. Uh you're gonna have a. You're gonna like the animation you see. I guarantee it. Uh, <laughs> a reference that uh, everyone. <laughs> All right, we are at the phrase where we are wrapping up the Max Fun Drive, and I just wanted to speak from the heart about the importance of this show to me. It's not just a place where you listen, uh, hopefully weekly, while you're driving or walking your dog or doing your dishes, but also it's a place where I'm sitting down with my friends, Alonzo and Ify and Marissa, and then whatever incredible guests we have to join us, and we're able to talk about movies in a very candid and sometimes vulnerable way. And I think that's really important. I've never once not felt supported by our team here or by our listeners and 
I'm very grateful for that in this world. Absolutely. I, I think this is really kind of a, a, a wonderful place where we are able to be open and honest and, and vulnerable. I also love the fact that, you know, we aren't necessarily always going to be talking about whatever the big box office blockbuster is going to be. We can dig into some smaller films, some movies that you might have to hunt a little to find, but that nonetheless carry a lot of meaning for us and that really speak to our lives in a way. And then we're in turn able to talk about our own lives in a way that reflect uh, not only what the the movie made us think about, but also knowing that our audience is there and interested and responding at that level. So this is really a a unique experience. Uh, You know, I I do more than my share probably of podcasts, but I always have a very special spot in my heart for this one and for everything that uh, that Maximum Fun makes possible uh, for us to do here at Maximum Film. So please do join in. It's MaximumFun.org slash join to either join, upgrade, or get a gift for an anonymous Max Funster who could use the perk themselves. Thank you. Well, you know, big thanks to Jordan Morris. Don't you have a book coming out what? soon? Yeah, uh, well, I'll I'll plug uh, plug a couple of things. One, the Max Fun Drive, of course. I'm yeah. sure y'all have been mm-hmm. pitching at other points during this episode, but uh, I should say uh, some of the Jordan Jesse Go bonus content this year features some of the great hosts for Maximum Film. Um, we did a little series on Jordan Jesse Go that are just that's just for. Uh, subscribers, where we watched some of the uh, weirdest, sweatiest, drunkest movies from the filmography of Burt Reynolds. Um, yes. yes. Uh, Drea and Alonzo joined us uh, for... Do we, I forget which movie we watched together. Which one did we watch? Hooper. 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 Yeah. Did I get Sharky's Machine? No, I got Hooper. You got Hooper. <laughs> uh, Drea, you did uh, Malone with us in a past uh-huh. episode that uh, subscribers can listen to. If he, uh, if he had an invitation, but I think was uh, doing some of his yeah. traveling. Traveling too much. So we'll tra- we'll, uh, I believe too cool was the no, excuse. No, no. <laughs> No, I'm never, never too, cool too cool for Burt Reynolds. Uh, uh, so yeah, we'll have to get Iffy on in a uh, in a future installment. But these were really fun to do. And if folks uh, give a little bit in the Max Fun Drive, maximumfun.org/slash/join, they can hear those episodes. Um, they, yeah, they were a ton of fun to do. And uh, if you're near your local comic book store, um, I wrote a story for an upcoming anthology of Archie Comics called Pop's Ooh. Chocolate Shop of Horrors. It is an Archie Ooh. horror comic um, where the gang from Riverdale gets into totally fucked up scenarios. Um, <laughs> it was a ton of fun to do. Um, yeah, if you're uh, if you if you know the Archie characters, uh, you should be able to follow along with the fun. Uh, they're spooky. They're funny, and they're all here from Jughead. Ooh to veronica um Aww. it's called pop's nice. chocolate shop of horrors and it is in your local comic book store on march 22nd get out there support jordan in his beard support yes, yes. Some love. <laughs> by the time the book is out i will have a mighty lustrous alonzo style beard <laughs> a face yes. mane a face mane. Yes. <laughs> and, and where can people follow you so they can keep track of that mm. beard visually? Yes, I'll be posting periodic beard updates uh, <laughs> at Jordan on, underscore Morris on Twitter and Jordan David Morris on Instagram. Ooh, well, thank you for coming on. Like I said, it's a blast. Always a blast to both see you in person and have you on the pod. And Trey and Alonzo, you know it's a blast having you 
you know no. i can't wait to bring you back these little knickknacks and gifts that i <laughs> get for you uh yeah so so get ready um, and wait. you uh the listener the gift i will give you is uh my voice every week uh for as long as i can i might lose my voice this year we don't know we don't know what the future holds if you have a comment or suggestion about this week's show tweet at us at maximum underscore film or you can hang out in our facebook group which can be found at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash maximum film or send us an email at maximum film at maximum our producer is the wonderful marissa flaxbart working tireless hours to get you these quizzes uh and and other and also building out the show but these quizzes i just want to one just before we get out here emphasize those quizzes and how much we love them and our senior producer laura swisher uh who is in that group chat keeping us updated we know when she's listening to the episode because she's letting us know what she thinks live i love a live tweet of a thing i get one direct to my inbox it sounds like i'm be- like i'm being it's sarcastic but i'm not it's called <laughs> yeah, keep, keep some- I, I said in my inbox a live tweet to my inbox <laughs> yeah, yeah that's oh, a live she tweet sent to my me inbox. a business text yeah. <laughs> All right, y'all. We're out of here, but this has been a production of Maximum Fun. Bye bye. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.